The Annex Wealth Management Show on 92.5 Fox News is hosted by Annex Wealth Management, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Important information about the qualifications and business practices of Annex is available at AnnexWealth.com. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk. Please consult with a qualified fiduciary advisor about your specific situation. Annex Wealth Management is a proud member of the Barron's Top Advisor List and the Financial Times Top 300. Know the difference. It's Team Tech Trust. Good morning, Southwest Florida. The Annex Wealth Management Show, ready to go, 92.5 Fox News for Sunday, July 11th. I'm Mark Beck, Managing Director of Wealth Management Services at Annex Wealth Management. We're a fee-only fiduciary partner covering investment, retirement, tax, and estate planning. We've got a busy hour ahead, so let's get started. Joining me in the studio, Derek Felsky, Chief Investment Officer at Annex. Hi, Derek. Uh, Good morning, Mark. Hey, we've got a busy conversation, I think, about what's been happening in the markets. Quick little recap. We were up last week. um, and. Amazing to see this market continue to rally. Yeah, it's starting to get a little choppy as we got into the summer months. For the week, we saw the S&P up marginally, up 30 basis points. Uh, the NASDAQ up almost 1%, yet small cap stocks continue to languish. And the real focus of investors, I think, this week was on a 10-year bond yield, which briefly touched 1.25%, which is the lowest level it hit in over six months. It's really amazing to see you know, the, how dramatically that rate has come back down from where it was. You know, what do you think is the driving force behind that? I think we're really kind of between a rock and a hard place. On the one side, we see really strong economic growth and concerns about uh, inflation on a variety of fronts, including wages. But that's offset by concerns about a third wave of the coronavirus. You know, the variant fears that that could cause a slowdown in growth in the second half as other countries and perhaps even states in the United States have issues with an uptick in, in virus cases. Yeah, it's certainly concerning. You know, you mentioned inflation and, you know, the Fed has been saying for a while now that they think that inflation is going to be transient. And it would seem to me that the bond market is generally concurring with that outlook. Usually the bond market is a great tell on where inflationary expectations are and where inflation is. But remember, the Fed is still buying $120 billion in fixed income securities every month. Uh, So that is putting downward pressure on rates. And in addition, the rates in the United States are significantly more attractive than they are overseas. We have see German yields still negative, UK yields around zero. Uh, so there's significant international demand. And and finally, um, you know, there has been somewhat of an absence of supply recently. So it, it's hard to get a real gauge on what inflation is doing uh, from the 10-year yield alone. Yeah, it is. You know, as, as long as we're on the topic of inflation, I think we've got to talk about, um, you know, the Fed from the past week. And, you know, they keep us surprised on their thought process as it relates to where the economy is heading and where interest rate policy needs needs to go. Uh, I think the term they use, substantial further progress. And, and I think from this past week, we felt like their indication was that we are not there yet. Right. They're, they're, they're going to remain accommodative. What I think they'd like to see is more labor market improvement. You know, we've seen a significant uptick in, in employment, you know, as more and more hospitality jobs get filled. But we're nowhere near where we were pre-pandemic. So while the stock market is at a higher level than the pandemic, interest rates remain lower than the, they were prior to the pandemic. The Fed remains accommodative, even though the economy is really strong at the moment.
So let's jump back and talk about the stock market a little bit more deeply. One of the things I think is really interesting is how narrow the stock market has been in terms of the number of stocks that are really sort of leading the S&P to set new highs. Right. Since May 12th, eight stocks have accounted for more than half the S&P 500 gains. And those are very familiar names to people. Apple, Amazon, Alphabet, otherwise known as Google, uh, Facebook, Microsoft, Netflix, NVIDIA, and Tesla. So very large cap growth-oriented companies. And we've seen also a rotation, you know, so a rotation towards these growth stocks, which are some, some people view as defensive because they're likely to maintain growth even as the economy slows, perhaps in the second half, and a rotation away from the recovery place, things like the metal stocks, the financials, and the rest, which benefit probably for an increase in interest rates and stronger economic activity. So it really has suggested, you know, the best approach in this kind of environment is a moderately balanced portfolio where you don't put all your eggs in the growth basket or all your eggs in the value basket, but actually try to pick stocks within each of those pieces that offer better fundamentals. And I think the you know concern for the average investor is they see the S and P 500, where 60% of the return has been driven really by you know those eight stocks that you just mentioned. And if they're diversifying their portfolio, sometimes they have that sort of mindset they feel like they're missing out. Well, they certainly do, and 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 at this time, you know, we're looking, we're going into the seasonally weak period for equities around the middle of July until the end of September into October, and now is a really good time to take a look at the various mutual funds you own, ETFs you own, understand uh, what where those concentrations are, because the S&P is driven, you know, 27% of the S&P 500 weighting is in those eight stocks I just mentioned. Uh, so if you've got a bunch of large cap growth funds, you're probably not as diversified, although you have done well since May 12th. Uh, but during the balance of the year, if this economy continues to, to pick up and those variant fears start to abate, uh, you might want to have more value representation in your portfolio. Thank you, Derek. Up next, we get a lot of questions about Roth conversions. We're going to answer some of those questions with our talented team here at Annex. Also, Brian Fiore, Branch Director, Annex Wealth Management Naples. We'll check in with him. If you're a grandparent, what are some of the ways you can help grandchildren? In the meantime, if we can help, head to our website, AnnexWealth.com. Hit the Get Started button. We'll be right back. This is the Annex Wealth Management Show on 92.5 Fox News. Dave Spano from Annex Wealth Management. After all we've been through, isn't it time to focus on what really matters, living your best life? There are a lot of moving pieces when it comes to investment and retirement planning. It's important to get it right, and we can help. AnnexWealth.com is the place to start. Click the Get Started button. Put a pro on your side with a local fee-only fiduciary. That's Annex Wealth Management, AnnexWealth.com. Planning and investment insight from a fee-only fiduciary, and we put that in writing. This is the Annex Wealth Management Show. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management? President Biden has pledged to raise taxes for higher-income Americans and corporations. If the proposals win congressional support, they likely won't take effect until the 2022 tax year. But if you believe your tax rate may go up next year or later, should you consider Roth IRA conversions? Talk about that. We welcome back Eric Strom, Senior Financial Planner and a CFP at Annex Wealth Management. Hey, Eric. Hey, Danny. Let's start with an explanation. What's the difference between a traditional IRA and a Roth IRA. Two ways that you can save for retirement in a tax-advantaged way. The first way, for example, using a traditional IRA. So that's saving pre-tax, where you get an immediate tax deduction, which really helps, right? But when you turn around to take that money out in retirement, it's all fully taxable. So that's the downside. 
the second way of saving in a tax advantage way is is Roth. That word we've all heard, Roth. That's where you don't get any tax deduction today. But if you play by the rules, when you take that money out in retirement, it's tax free. So a Roth conversion, Danny, is when you intentionally decide to pay taxes today to move some of that money from the pre-tax bucket, the first one we talked about, over to the Roth bucket. And there are reasons to consider Roth conversions. And for this chat, we're going to cover three types of people who might consider them. And the first is those that are in the gap years. What does a gap year mean? Yeah. So when you turn age 72, the government forces you to start withdrawing money out of your pre-tax accounts. Also, by that time, you're probably taking Social Security. Maybe you have a pension on top of that. So lots of income coming in typically. Now, the gap years are the years in between when you retire and age 72 when you have all of that forced income. Many families, not everyone, but many, many families and many individuals find themselves in very low tax brackets during those gap years. So don't let those years slip away. Find out if you might be in these lower tax years and take advantage of that by intentionally doing Roth conversions to fill up those low tax brackets that were created by the Trump tax cuts just a few years ago. Roth conversions, who should think about it? Well, first was those who were in the gap years. Who's next? Another type of individual or family that might be a candidate for Roth conversions are higher income folks. If you have higher income, you, in most cases, cannot save in the Roth. Remember, we talked about that Roth option. So the Roth money is so powerful that the government says if you make too much money, you can't contribute to Roth. However, if you find yourself in that situation and you have small traditional IRAs, you might want to convert them. Because when you convert them, you clear the deck from having any IRAs in your name whatsoever. And once you've done that, there actually is an end around method that you can do Roth conversions as long as you don't have any traditional IRAs in your name. So I know that's a little complicated, but if you find yourself in that circumstance, and we have you know many clients of Annex doing this strategy today, it can be very, very compelling. So for those folks, they might want to consider a Roth conversion. And this is something we help people with all the time. Oh, yeah. This is a very common strategy for those higher income earners. Talking about Roth IRA conversions with Eric Strom, senior financial planner and a CFP at Annex Wealth Management. We went through two. Who's the third? Yeah. So the third are folks that are being affected by the pandemic. So business owners or high income earners that suddenly are finding themselves in a lower tax bracket due to no fault of their own. We're finding many business owners or or higher income folks who have been affected by the pandemic are seeing tax brackets like the 12% federal tax bracket or the 22%. These are brackets that they never would normally see. And also these, even just a few years ago, these tax brackets didn't exist yet. So folks in that situation may want to consider accelerating income into a year where you're in a very low tax bracket. Even if you have to get a little creative to find the money to pay the taxes, for this strategy, you could be taking advantage of low tax brackets that you might never see again for two reasons. Number one, the pandemic hopefully will end, your business will come back to normal, and then you won't be in those tax brackets anymore. Or number two, the government, many people believe that the government might take away the 12% bracket and these very low tax brackets and bring us back to normal or maybe even higher tax brackets than we're seeing right now. So for both of those reasons, You know, someone in that situation might want to consider leveraging these low tax brackets. What kind of window would they have to do that? We know 2021 is almost certainly going to be under current tax law, meaning 
this is a good year that if any of these circumstances feel like they might fit to you to meet with a financial planning outfit that has that tax expertise on staff. Of course, here at Annex, we're very passionate about this and we're happy to help clients uh, look at this strategy. But 2021, you definitely want to look at it because right now those low tax brackets are set to sunset in 2025. But many believe that it could happen sooner with the administration change that we've seen. Eric Strom, you're a senior financial planner, and this is what we do. Financial planning is one thing. Tax planning is another. We combine it at Annex Wealth Management as a fee-only fiduciary. That's a big thing. It is a big thing because many firms out there don't have CPAs on staff like we do. Maybe they don't have attorneys on staff like we do that specialize in this area. So uh, you definitely want to make sure you're getting that tax advice because it has become so crucial in this complicated financial world that we're in to make sure that you're getting tax advice along with your financial planning advice. Eric Strom, Senior Financial Planner and a CFP at Annex Wealth Management. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me, Danny. It starts with a call. With one call, you can start seeing your future more clearly. If your financial picture is cloudy because you're getting conflicting tax, investment, and estate planning advice, help is a call or a click away. Annex Wealth Management's team works to get your investment plan in line with your tax plan and your estate plan. Build confidence with one team working to create one comprehensive plan as a fee-only fiduciary. Annex Wealth Management. One team, one plan, one fee. AnnexWealth.com. Custom-tailored investment and retirement planning from a fee-only fiduciary. Know the difference. This is the Annex Wealth Management Show. At the core, Annex Wealth Management is about investment and retirement planning. Once a proper plan is in place, you've got a path forward. And then the good stuff happens, like the joy of being a grandparent. Talk about that. Brian Fiore, Branch Director, Annex Wealth Management Naples. Hey, Brian. Good morning, Danny. Okay, your kids are like barely in college, right? So you are definitely not a grandparent yet, right? Correct. Definitely not a grandparent yet. <laughs> Good. All right. Just uh-huh. check it. I'm not either, but I think I'm close. So, And grandparenting <laughs> is just different. It's like being an aunt or an uncle. You get to stir them up and then give them back, but it's deeper. You might want to bless them in certain ways through a well-crafted financial plan, and that's what we're going to talk about. Brian, if somebody wants to start a grandchild out, maybe say on the path to higher education, is the 529 kind of the traditional way? It's definitely one of, of a good ways. You have a few choices. That's definitely one. Um, a tax advantage, basically savings plan for spending money later on qualified education expenses and the growth grows tax-free, and as long as you spend the money on the right things, there's no tax implications later. There's something called an education savings account or Coverdell IRA that's similar. It just has smaller um, annual amounts you're allowed to contribute. So yeah, 529 is definitely a good way to do that. And this is probably a, a planning thing, but do you find that clients tend to like plunk a big amount in to start, or do they kind of go year by year? Uh, there's a few things to think about. We have that uh, lifetime gift and estate tax uh, exemption as taxpayers here in the U.S. So if you gift more than 15000 a year for something like this or anything else, you have to record that each each year in, into your lifetime exemption. So some people don't want to mess with that and just they want to give 15000 or less each year or you can do more, um, up to 75000 per person for a married couple filing. Uh, jointly, that's one fifty. you could do if you want to lump them all together for something like a 529 plan. But again, you do have to account for that on your lifetime exemption. This is probably a throwback to a, like my grandparents' era, but do you see clients just open up like simple savings account in a grandchildren's name? 
Yeah, I think sometimes getting too complicated and complex, you know, misses the point. So basically, if you want to save and help someone for education, higher education expenses, you can do that in any way, like just simple savings account in your own name and give it to them when they, as they need it. There's actually a special tax code exemption. If you, I guess it depends on, are you going to be around when your grandchildren are going to college? Are you going to be there to see it? If not, you got to plan for things differently, like 529 or something like that. But if you're actually going to be there and you think you're going to be there, you can, you can pay the school directly. And that doesn't that money doesn't even account for your lifetime gift tax exclusion. So if you're going to be around, you can save and invest in your own name. It doesn't have to be in the grandkid's name and then pay the schools directly. And that can be a way to go as well. Well, that's one way of making sure a kid winds up a gator, right? Or a Seminole. <laughs> How about, right, you could say, I'm going to pay for your, your help, but you got to go to one of these two schools or whatever. Yeah, right. sure. <laughs> We're with Brian Fiore, Branch Director, Annex Wealth Management in Naples, talking about grandparents doing stuff for grandchildren. How about financial gifts? In the last year of my dad's life, he gave one of his grandchildren a car that he no longer drove, and the rest of the grandchildren got cash equivalents. But there's a limit to that, isn't there? Yeah, that's that gift tax exclusion we were talking about. So it's 15000 this year. It can change. It goes up a little bit every few years. So in 2021, we're at 15000 a year. You can give without having to account for it on your tax return and go against your lifetime uh, gift tax exclusion. So if you're married filing jointly, that's you can do you, know, you and your spouse 15 times two, so 30000 in any type of gift. Yeah, and you don't want to give like a 15-year-old $25,000, and I guess that would be where you would include a grandchild in a will or estate plan. Is that something that you see? Yeah. Um, again, it's, it's it's the will and estate plan idea is, are you preparing for something that might occur all of a sudden and you pass away all of a sudden, then what would that look like? So that's one thing you definitely have to do. And then what would you like to see if that's the case? If you think you're going to be around when when these kids go to college or after college and you're going to be around to see it, then you can also put wording into wills and trusts and things like that to uh, take care of things to them specifically when they're certain ages and, and things like that. So that type of planning, you know, we suggest that you do it as is now, what your current circumstances are, something happened to you tomorrow, what do you want to see? And then every three to five years, revisit that because circumstances change everybody's thoughts and wants and wishes change, and then you can adjust it as you go in trusts or wills or things like that. One thing that grandparents need to avoid is overspending. A good thing is great. Too much of a good thing is not. Yes, I know uh, grandparents who want to do everything they can for grandchildren, but actually sometimes use credit or borrow to do things for them financially or monetarily, get them things. I think that's excessive. If you have to borrow money to do things for your grandkids, I think you're doing too much. I think spending time with them and going back to my childhood with my my parents had parents in different places. One was in uh, my father's side was in Boston area and my mother's side was in Alabama. So us being able to go travel and see them in the different areas was was what I remember, not how they got me a McDonald's burger or something or they got me I mean, a little toy car or whatever. Exactly. Experiences over things. Take them to the Grand Canyon, take them fishing, teach them how to sail, things like that. That's important. Brian Fiore, Branch Director, Annex Wealth Management Naples. Thanks for joining us. Good to talk to you, Danny. If we can help our website, AnnexWealth.com, just click that Get Start a Button. Quick break. We're going to be right back. This is the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News. Dave Spano from Annex Wealth Management. After all we've been through, isn't it time to focus on what really matters, living your best life? There are a lot of moving pieces when it comes to investment and retirement planning. It's important to get it right, and we can help. 
AnnexWealth.com is the place to start. Click the Get Started button. Put a pro on your side with a local fee-only fiduciary. That's Annex Wealth Management, AnnexWealth.com. Planning and investment insight from a fee-only fiduciary, and we put that in writing. This is the Annex Wealth Management Show. We're back. I'm Mark Beck, Managing Director of Wealth Management Services at Annex Wealth Management. Derek Felsky, Chief Investment Officer, is here. Derek, we talk a lot on the show about the Fed and monetary policy here in the U.S., but this is not the only place that monetary policy changes can be impactful. We should talk a little bit about the European Central Bank because, you know, they made some moves this past week that I think uh, are going to be very important. Yeah, they did. They essentially are echoing the Fed. They are willing to do whatever it takes, as they said in the past, to to maintain low interest rates as we get through the uh, negative effects of the virus on economic activity. So, again, uh, global central banks following the Fed's leads in some cases, but the ECB, should be pointed out, has been much more aggressive in terms of their willingness to purchase assets. They've actually been willing to buy bonds that are offering negative yields, which is not something you're taught to do in uh, business school. <laughs> it's not the recipe for a return, anyway. You know, the other thing that I think was notable uh, is they also talked about allowing inflation to overshoot their targets. You know, this has been something that the Fed did, you know, not that long ago. And, you know, it seems to be a really a new policy from central banks to really share that idea that they want to maintain an average inflation expectation over time, which means on average, if it's been too low for a while, they also are willing to let it be too high for a time period. I think they're acknowledging in some ways that the models that they have used in the past haven't really worked in a period of global globalization, uh, you know, where, where free trade borders existed, which allowed for greater competitiveness, lower prices, and the willingness of labor to move from border to border. The other central bank that made a move this week was China. They signaled that they're going to do some additional central bank easing uh, in the coming weeks. Uh, the Chinese economy was certainly the first to recover from the COVID virus, uh, but it has started to slow somewhat dramatically. And that, again, is part of the reason I think we continue to see that 10 years, you know, sitting around 1.3% when all by, by by all the other estimates, most people thought it would be closer to 2% by now. Some indication, perhaps, that there is a bit of a slowdown in economic growth, globally speaking. I know here in the U.S., we sort of feel like, you know, the help-wanted signs are everywhere, and so there's momentum you know, that's that's really driving the economy. You know, but when you take a little bit more of a global look at it, you know, you might see that, you know, we did sort of peak out for a period of time, and we're going to see a little softening period. That plays into all of the central bank activity we just talked about. Right, which, again, is supportive of risk assets because real yields in the United States are negative. You know, one other thing that I noticed this week is high-yield bonds, actually, the average, the index that I track, the, the yield on high-yield debt closed below 4% for the first time that I can ever remember. And so if you think about the recent inflationary trends we've seen, you're actually getting a negative real yield uh, from high-yield bonds as well, which, again, is fueling demand for equities because equities at least offer some paycheck in the sense of a dividend, but they also offer capital appreciation opportunities. And as long as interest rates remain at such low levels, uh, they look pretty attractive, even though they are rich on an absolute basis. And you know, July 11th, Derek, we are talking about the start of earnings season. So we start to think about that in terms of not this earnings season, but a lot more focus on guidance and, and attention really will be on what is 2022. 
too really likely to look like. Right. Some of those that are negative on the market say that this is as good as it gets, you know, that earnings growth on a year over year basis in Q2, which is now estimated to be around 65%, will come in well above that. But the guidance, you know, of course, we'll, we'll, we're going against tougher comparisons because a year ago, the economy was closed in the second quarter. That was not the case in the third and fourth quarter. So while earnings growth on a year over year basis could be down, uh, they'll, it'll still be up substantially. And the key is, you know, and, and, and the first insight we'll get to what those numbers are going to look like is as the companies report, they'll do their conference calls afterwards and we'll get a sense of where they think operating margins are going to be, where retail, where sales are going to be and the rest. And a lot of that depends on what the U.S. economy and the world economy does in the coming months. And don't forget, there is this prospect of a change in tax legislation out there. And so, you know, we're going to have to see what that might look like if we really do see a change in corporate tax structure. That's absolutely true. I think we're looking at the benefits and not necessarily the costs. You know, right now, people say, well, you know, a fiscal stimulus package of a trillion dollars and potentially another fiscal package of somewhere between two and four trillion dollars, that's going to stimulate the economy. But those effects are felt over a number of years, while as the cost, in other words, the tax taxes that will be implemented in order to fund some of that will be will hit in the front end. So I think the markets between now and say the end of October are going to be choppy. You know, we're going to rotate between inflationary concerns, concerns about the virus, and search for catalysts to drive equities to new highs because the S&P 500 has already has had a good year with a gain of 15%. It certainly has. Thank you. That's Derek Felsky, Chief Investment Officer, Annex Wealth Management. Our time is just about up. If we can help, don't hesitate to let us know. Get over to our website, AnnexWealth.com. Click the Get Started button. From there, you're on to our complimentary portfolio review. It's important that you know what you own, you know what it costs. We can help with all of that with a free portfolio review. A lot of moving pieces when it comes to successfully navigating retirement planning AnnexWealth.com. Again, click the Get Started button. Thanks for listening. We'll see you in a week. The Annex Wealth Management Show on 92.5 Fox News. The Annex Wealth Management Show is hosted by Annex Wealth Management, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Important information about the qualifications and business practices of Annex is available at AnnexWealth.com. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk. Please consult with a qualified fiduciary advisor about your specific situation.